Gab and Girl Time contains explicit sexually mature themes and is intended for a mature audience. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of any platforms, sponsors, or social media. So it's a week after election. It is. We've all kind of calmed down now. Uh, it's just a figurehead. <laughs> if your guy didn't win, I'm sorry. Ours didn't either. Move on. Correct. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that today. Well, no. Ours wasn't a guy anyway. No. But what a red letter day for women. Right. In Congress. So go team go. Right. Maybe we will get progressive and see some change. Maybe. I'm just excited about all of the seats that women have in in Congress right now and the fact that we have an openly trans person in Congress and we have red letter Native American. We have Native Americans. How many? Several. How many? In Congress. Three. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. So, you know, it's about time. I'm excited. You know, but let's not forget how... It works, and that figureheads, figureheads, <laughs> they're just figureheads. My mom always said, if voting <laughs> changed anything, it'd be illegal. Right? <laughs> for real. <laughs> so, it's a red-letter day for females in Congress, and, you know, a lot of people didn't even know a lot of females were even running, you know? Yeah. They didn't know that there was a female presidential candidate on all 50 ballots who was running they didn't let her speak how you know who are some of your unsung heroes that are females in history that everybody seems to forget about like my favorite okay is madam cj walker who that well you talked about her before yes because one she was one of the first self-made millionaires in the united states what makes her and she was she set up hair salons all over the you know new york illinois all around the east coast and she made the press and comb popular she started what's she, a press and comb because you forget i'm i don't oh, have a phd right. well what i love is that she is a first generation free slave uh, she actually passed away in 1919, and before she died, she had a mansion next to the Rockefeller mansion. Oh. It still stands there today. You can tour it. But she made hair product for African-American women mm-hmm. and so that they could manage their hair, and uh, she, she was just, I mean, it was amazing. She started like a, um, you know, how Avon does multi-level marketing and like Mary Kay and all that to bring up... Uh, everyone in her community. She was an activist. It was amazing. But what I love is that she literally lived the American dream. And you never tell me what a press income was. Oh, it's <laughs> you use it. It's like a hot, it's like a um, flat iron, but with a comb. 
Okay. And it works on textured hair, like heavily textured, like African-American or other type of heavily textured hair. I mean, you don't have to be African-American to use it. Some white people have hair super coarse that are, you know, can use it too. But um, it's it's pretty cool. It was an apparatus that helped manage and make uh, African-American hair more smooth without chemicals. Nice. This is very cool. Well, mine is Bessie Coleman. And Bessie Coleman, she lived during the days of Amelia Earhart. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to fly. But she was a black woman and nobody would teach her here in America. So she moved to France, learned how to speak French, learned how to fly. And then she came back to America and taught other women of color how to fly as well. And what year was this? It would have been during Amelia Earhart time. And if you give me a second, I'll look that up for you. I, wow. Okay. No, I mean, that's just amazing that, you know. And anyway. she got no recognition. Zero. Zero. Mm-hmm. Now, our guest, who we're not going to say who she is right now, she has a person. My unsung hero is none other than Miss Mary Magdalene. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and um, the, the reason that I would consider her the unsung hero is because she is a biblical figure that proselytized that we could find God within ourselves. And her message was censored by the church. Um, her entire identity was replaced by a previous pope to say that she was a prostitute rather than who she really was, which was someone that um, the historical figure of Jesus Christ considered to be a partner on par, uh, a fellow, um, I guess, person that, that spread the word of God. So um, I think that she is not remembered for her true contributions, and I think the motivation for that is is really sad. Um, but she's an awesome historical figure with awesome things to say about the power that women hold within themselves to find God within themselves, and um, also to find the divine masculine within themselves too. So lots of interesting concepts in her work. That is totally amazing. And I also think that it's awesome that you... Uh, shed light on the reality that uh, Jesus was one of the first feminists. He was one of the first true feminists. Yeah, agreed. So, which is amazing. And then, you know, anyway. Well, you know, I found my inner God today. (laughs) During my weekly masturbation session. Lucky you. Yeah. Nice. You gotta have it. You gotta do it. Yeah, weekly. Weekly. Only. Daily. (laughs) Only weekly. (laughs) Twice daily. Or is that Three how? times on Sunday. Is weekly like days of the week or you just did a week masturbation with a sad cum? You usually try to get a sad cum. <laughs> Have you ever had a sad cum? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Where a you a just heavy need, sigh. <laughs> you just need to come and, you know, but it's like sad. It's just pathetic and kind of sad. God, what is no. going on with your sex life? Uh, on that note, we're going to introduce <laughs> our guest. Oh my gosh, the multi-talented, insanely amazing, effervescent, Miss, I I don't know, how do you, Miss, with a Z, (laughs) Siren Santina. Yeah, I love her so much. Like, no, I've had a girl crush on her since the very first time I met her. I met her out at comedy. I'm talking about you like you're not here. I met you out in comedy. You were dating a, a... 
comic friend of mine and uh, I'm not going to say I scratched my head, but I was just like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Whatever. That, that pretty aptly summarizes my sexuality, I think. So what a fantastic segue. <laughs> I don't know. I've just continued kept that girl crush. <laughs> I was very nervous. She, I have also had the privilege of cutting her hair before, too. It's like, we, obviously, we can't have guests unless Brandy knows them and I've cut their hair. That seems to be the trend <laughs> over the last few guests we've had. Hey, I've asked you to get guests on. <laughs> so don't worry. They'll be chock full of December. The, um, but it actually made me nervous when I first cut your hair and I've cut hair for 35 years just because I was like oh my god she's so amazing and blah blah fangirling over you why do you think that people are so intimidated by your presence I have no idea why anyone is intimidated by me and it has perplexed me for a very very long time (laughs) very long time and because after getting to know you you're very very down to earth well (laughs) I just like I know I'm in the presence of true talent and being a person who is in the arts and, you know, I like, I can't sing very well at all. So anyone that can sing, I'm totally in awe of, you know, like I would not be standing telling jokes. Are you kidding me? I'd be on American Idol if I could sing. I wouldn't be just like, you know, so it's amazing. And then just, uh, stuff you put together your creativeness the ideas that just flow from you you can draw she's like literally a renaissance woman it's amazing so proud that she's in my friend arsenal i can't even tell you it's so cool to be around super creative creative genius that's what she is and what we're going to talk about today is pansexuality that's very cool because she has, you have identified yourself in the past as pansexual, but talking to you a little bit earlier today, it sounds like you're evolving, as we all do. No one needs to be stuck yep. in whatever they choose to identify as in a moment of time. I do like, I do like the sphere of pansexuality because I do feel like my sexual attraction has no basis in gender whatsoever. It's completely based in, you know, the person and and what qualities they have. Um, Where I think that I'm starting to question and would also categorize myself as questioning um, is really kind of about the roots of my sexual identity and um, how my own perception of myself plays into that. What a wonderful segue, because my question to you was, what brought you to this place that you are in your life right now, sexually? Um, I would say probably a lot of denial <laughs> and a lot of not not being my authentic self. Um, something really interesting in in the past month I have gone back and reread every journal I have ever written in my entire life so I started reading journals that that began in 1994 and have gone all the way through to present day and and what I found was even when I was a young person and identified as heterosexual heteronormative and everything that I did my journal writings were so fucking queer. (laughs) Um, I had a list of things I wanted to do before I died at age 14 that included having lesbian love romance stories. Um, I 
was looking back at home movies that I made as a child. So my parents gave me their old beta cam recorder when they mm. went to the VHS format. And I made all of these um, movies about my neighbor, which was a boy that was three or four years younger than me, being a, um, a sexual reassignment surgeon. And th- this is at like age yeah. nine, 10. So there has been something inherently queer or interested in queer culture in me since I was a child that I think because of my upbringing and my inherited belief system, um, I didn't necessarily connect with myself until much, much later. So um, I think- Are you an only child? I am not an only child. Hmm. Um, I am the oldest child, child of two. And, And I feel like too, I should say, that inherited belief system, I have also bucked against that my entire (laughs) life as well. So my family upbringing is quite conservative, but I have never, never been conservative, even when I was identifying as heterosexual, heteronormative. I was Mm -hmm. not conservative. Um, But I do think that there was enough of that, um, would my parents accept me if I experimented with this? What do I lose by opening myself up to this experimentation that kind of kept me from dipping my toe in that water for a really long time? So um, I've always been a part of queer culture. All my friends from the time that I met my first friend that was openly gay, I mean, I have surrounded myself with gay men. I love gay men. Um, But I, I... I never really, I never really met many gay women. So, so I had a lot of exposure to gay culture. I considered myself part of the gay community, even if Mm -hmm. just as an ally, but I never quite found the place where I could experiment comfortably with my own sexuality until I was much, much, much older. Um, So the first time that, that I had a sexual experience with a person that wasn't a man, I was 35 years old. Um, and then when that happened, things just kind of clicked for me. Um, oh, yes, I can feel the same yeah. things for this person that I have felt for a man. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not even really about their gender. Their gender is not what attracted me to them. It was their personality. It was their person. And so I started labeling myself as a pansexual at that time. There's also a layer, I think, of demisexuality in there mm-hmm. that um, for me echoes some of the sentiments of pansexuality in that I'm interested in the character of the person or my connection to the person outside of physical attraction. Um, But I think what I'm realizing now as well is that that's not really necessarily true about me either. So I think um, right now I'm questioning a lot about the difference between true attraction and action. And so I have thought of myself as a demisexual because I have really only acted on attraction with a person that I felt some kind of connection to. But I'm definitely attracted to many, many people that um, I do not feel a connection to. Do you think you might lean more toward omnisexual then? Tell me how you define that. (laughs) Well, omnisexual is where you're attracted to all genders. You don't have to have any type of, you know... Um, like you don't have to have feelings for them. Mm-hmm. You don't, you could be out dancing in a club and you notice everything. You notice, like, if they're binary, you notice, I mean, if they're non binary, you notice if they're male, you notice if they're female, you notice if they're trans. You don't care 
it's just like, wow, that person's hot. And now I'm WAP and let's do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't, it do, you know, you could just see them across the dance floor and be like, I'm doing two shots and going home with them tonight. And it doesn't matter. So I think that I have also done that. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we like, um, you know, like I, I, I think I have had experiences where I have gone home with a stranger. Those have been less frequent than the ones where I got to know someone first. I think the experiences that I enjoy the most or feel the most pleasure from are ones where I do have not just a physical intimacy with the person, but some kind of additional layer of intimacy as well. Be that an intellectual connection or an emotional connection or a spiritual connection in some cases. Um, But You know, I have also gone for just the physical connection, and that's been okay, too. (laughs) Yes, it is. Well, I I don't know if that's necessarily conditioning as a female, though, too. Yeah. You know, because you always, if you're sexual, obviously you're a whore, you know, (laughs) because you're sexual. We've I've tried to break down those, like, my whole life. I've always been, I guess, is it the redhead thing? I don't know, you know, but um, I've always been hypersexual about things. And that has always been a thing that, you know, for my uh, parental figures really tried to squash and I would rebel against things like that. I personally am a man trapped inside this body but I am a literal raging drag queen so it all it equals out for me I happen to really be attracted to penis like a queer amount do you consider yourself hypersexual (laughs) um that's another interesting question um I I think I am hypersexual when I'm comfortable with someone Mm -hmm. so like um like my true sexual self inside of me is is very hypersexual, but it's also very selective for when it reveals itself. Yes, that's, that's me. That's bratty. Yeah. Yes, I want to do it all the time, but I don't necessarily want to do it with Joe Blow. Yeah, out here. Yeah, I I personally, um, I I I'm hesitant to say that I am special because no one is special everyone's just unique Mm -hmm. but I think that what is unique about me is that and this is going to sound I'm going to sound completely arrogant and and just like (laughs) off my rocker I guess but I really look at myself as some kind of like fertility goddess um or some kind of divine feminine being and um it it's it's controversially the thing that also has has made me feel uncomfortable sometimes in pursuing sexual relationships. And it's one of the things that in my youth made me feel unattractive and unworthy of sexual relationships. Because from a very young age, I've just been shaped like a, you know, one of these little fertility totems that you saw in your art history textbook. Mm-hmm. Um, at age nine, my first my first bra was like a 36C. I Like I was a child one day and the next day I was shaped like someone ready to have children. Oh my gosh. Fully you're... formed. Singing my life with you. <laughs> killing me softly with your history. Killing me softly like yes same same and when you're a preteen and that's your body shape and no one else your age is shaped like that i was i was 
taught and conditioned by my peers and by media and by, you know, sometimes even my own parents' discomfort with me being shaped this way so young, that something was wrong with my body, that it was not attractive, that, uh, I mean, I really felt like I was a grandmother walking around (laughs) with a little nine, 10 year old brain inside of my body. I would get hit on by men driving down the street at like 10, 11, uh, you know, and um, I started my menstruating when I was nine. So literally everything was developed when I would get on the bus. I mean, fifth grade, sixth grade, it was like, oh, you're a whore. You know, boys would automatically think they could take liberty. You know, I um, moved to a different city uh, and that school just walking through the halls, people felt like they could just touch me. Boys, basically, you know, I didn't have a I really didn't like guys young. I'm not attracted to females. I had a moment of experimentation and was just like, no, this is really not even close. But um it, it, I mean, it definitely made me not care or respect guys and to feel very weird, very odd, very, you know, definitely at odds. Because A, I was menstruating before anybody else was. And B, again, big boobs, very little waist. And you've seen my badonkadonk. I mean, you know, the only thing I didn't have was this tummy. But everything else was yeah. there. And it was very, you know... I think that's a cruel little joke that May nature West puts on us that makes our bodies ready for reproduction, ready for all this, Before, but our our brains are just nowhere near not ready all. for any of that. No, but I was a big bunch of hormones, plus redheaded and freckled and looked like Danny Bonaducci. So I look like Danny <laughs> Bonaducci with a Raquel Welch body. <laughs> What? I was a butterfly. You know, sounds I, pretty hot. I actually. am strangely attracted to that. Um, I, I think that that I kind of went in the opposite direction from you in that I tried to hide my body from everyone. So I started wearing oversized sweatsuits to school, which you know that's real cool and seventh grade <laughs> show up in a oversized sweatsuit. Um, I started wearing a lot of men's clothes. I, I wore a lot of like dress shirts and ties in high school my to-go uniform was a pair of overalls with like a polyester shirt underneath mm-hmm. it um i cut my hair real short like i i almost tried to hide my femininity from other people because i felt so uncomfortable because it felt to me like i was the only one that looked like this or was going through this and then i also kept boys at arm's length mm-hmm. because I was not comfortable with myself and I didn't know, you know, my expectation was that they would not like the way that I was shaped underneath because I wasn't skinny. I wasn't, you know, kind of what I was seeing on TV that a teenage girl is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Because of the, uh, uh, my parents, uh, the job they did when I was younger, we had a lot of, um, sex magazines around the house they worked for a publishing company so i guess i got to take home whatever didn't go through the feeder writer whatever i don't know so that was weird i always equated mine because i remember jugs magazine (laughs) being around the house and i just always equated my body like a biker you know i look Mm -hmm. like a biker chick 
Like, I'm shaped like everybody's favorite biker chick, which now is like, dang. You know, if I had a time machine, I was way too young. But if I had a time machine, I would be like, oh, take better care of that right there. That's hot. (laughs) You know what I mean? Take care of that. Don't, you know, don't abuse that because you don't like it. But I didn't wear T-shirts. Like, I still don't wear T-shirts to this day. Very rarely. I have drawers full of them. I buy other people's merch all the time I have you know literally tons of it but I still put on a t-shirt I look like you know I mean which there's nothing wrong with biker chicks I love the back of a bike that's the way I grew up I like the aesthetic but I will you know having the t-shirt on I just feel not not attractive at all in any way shape or form it's weird I had a little bit I have the opposite of what you two had I thought that I was hotter than what I was when I was younger. <laughs> oh, that's so I didn't have the boobs. I didn't have the butt. It's always. I had the face. <laughs> but that's how it always is. But I didn't. But somehow it gave me this weird sense of confidence that I have now that like, yeah, I am the hottest bitch in this room. There you go. At what point did you decide okay i'm gonna embrace my femininity um i think i'm still learning to do that um i i so in college i i was still kind of in the same boat i maybe a little more comfortable because other people were catching up to me physically um but i i think the first time that i saw my body as an asset or something that it was okay for me to promote is probably when i started hanging out in the goth subculture um it's like i got my first still boned corset and i was like oh this body makes sense to me now oh okay i'm elvira that's that's what's happening here um so i started to feel a little bit more comfortable there but i had also skipped this entire part of the i guess typical girl experience in that I never learned how to put on makeup. I never learned how to style my hair. Um, I was literally always buying my clothes at thrift stores and was attracted to these just tacky, bold, like kitschy, quirky things. And so I I guess I never really learned how to be a, and I'm using air quotes, proper girl. Um, So I was just experimenting with my own little like feminine anarchy version of what a girl's supposed to be. Um, So, you know, I acquired some of those skills through hanging out in that subculture. I I did learn to put on makeup for my friends, although God bless, you should see some pictures. (laughs) Um, It was not not good. I would never guess that, (laughs) that you didn't know how to put on makeup. Yeah. Well, I even remember like my senior prom, um, my mom had to work and so she was not able to help me get ready for my senior prom and I was crying um, because she had bought me this beautiful dress and I was like I have the dress on but I don't know what to do so I remember the night of my senior prom one of my friends moms was like come please come over here and let me help you and like I had to get help from an adult (laughs) to put makeup on and I was the only person there that needed help from an adult to get ready for prom but yeah it was just some some weird thing that I never had interest really in doing on a day-to-day. I still don't wear makeup every day today. Well, if it makes you feel any better that uh, now prom makeup being done by an adult 
professionally <laughs> is expected. Oh yeah, now, well, maybe I was just ahead of my you, time. You were way <laughs> yes. <laughs> stylist as help a, me. Yes, because as a, uh, I had an advantage over all of that. Like I was super tomboyish when I was young. I didn't. I remember. Uh, Literally, I got a pair of cowboy boots, and I wouldn't take them off, not even to sleep. And my mom, I vividly remember my mom saying, you know, you just got to pick your battles. Sometimes I'll change the sheets tomorrow, you know, because I wasn't getting out of the boots. I wanted boys' underoos because they were way cooler than the days of the week panties, you know what I mean? I just didn't. I had short hair. I hated my curls. I, you know, I, I'm a boy as far as when I'm younger, which is very frightening to me when you talk about reassignment surgery as a child. But that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> yeah, that, so, that's an episode for my therapist. Yeah, to that's, a, that's a whole nother episode <laughs> with, um, you know, and then I developed. But being a hairstylist, like I started beauty school, like 19, I guess, while I was also in college. So um, that was a little different as far as dressing differently. You know, we'd look at Vogue. You didn't have the internet. You didn't really see behind the scenes on television. So you would see stuff in the magazine and really thought that's how people in New York look on dressed. the street. Yeah. That's like a normal person. Like runway fashion. Oh, that must be how they look in Manhattan, you know? And so you try to emulate these looks until later you go, oh, this is just for a photo shoot. I gotcha. <laughs> you know, but um, I wore costumes to work my first three years of beauty school, just figuring out what my look might be or whatever. And Girl, I'm 55. I still don't know what my look is. I mean, I have a, I have a lot of different personalities. Multifaceted. You're a multifaceted diamond as well. You're just a brilliant cut. I, I do think um, burlesque. Of course, we. I think we can't talk about my sexuality without talking about burlesque. Burlesque gave me a space to explore different shades and tones of femininity and try to find my connection to to my own body and my connection to the way I present that body to other people in a sensuous form, in a sexual form. Um, I don't think that I have really honestly and openly explored that enough for myself. Um, and, and eventually I think that's where some of my drag performance came in as well um, because I wanted to continue to explore expression of femininity but one that wasn't so centered and tied to my physical body um but i do think that that all of that has played into me trying to understand this this weird figure that i'm trapped in and what it means to other people and then also what it what it means to me do you love your body now i am thankful for my body um, I think I need to do more to to love it. Um, I have I, I'm realizing just in the last two months that I have never really given my body the tools that it needs to be its best. I have always judged my body and questioned why my body wasn't what I wanted it to be, but I did absolutely nothing to help it be what I wanted it to be. And um, I, so I I feel like I owe my body a lot of apologies and I almost feel like I just need to go hug it and you know tell it it's okay and and you know like we I'll be better to you going forward um but yeah it, I, for a long time I just really felt like 
something was wrong with me and it was the thing keeping me from being happy in all these other ways in my life and that simply isn't the case right yes I think that's a level of maturity as well I think we've all went through the I need to be better to myself I need to be better to my body I need to eat better I need to exercise I need to do all these things we were just talking about that earlier today what are we going to do when we go to video and we don't we have to love our bodies then because then we're putting it out to the world where I was going with this I have no idea well I I find it I'm gonna pull this around just because body image is really tricky and it's such a weird thing in the psyche because like um Tess Holiday is an Instagram model who is a super BBW she is a very large woman who um has tons of body confidence is an absolutely gorgeous woman identifies as pansexual she doesn't identify as pan and she's married and has um children uh but she you know as an instagram model i would make fun not of her but of all the five five instagram models you know (laughs) like everybody that's you know back in my day it had to actually be you know what five nine five ten or above to be a model like size no I mean, clothes come in all shapes and sizes. Why wouldn't you have all shapes and sizes modeling them? But I love that she became such a body positive advocate and then ended up on the cover of, like, Cosmo, was it? Cosmo or Glamour? Anyway, big deal. Signed a big deal modeling contract. Her, you know, her photos, her confidence are absolutely... It's amazing, beautiful. And she sees herself, I believe, as a lion, you know, as a goddess. I have always projected that I'm a goddess situation. But that's the gay man inside me. (laughs) You know, the gay man recognizes that. And just like you and your path, I've always, um, I've always fit in better with whatever wasn't mainstream. I was goth originally. You know, like when the original Goss came out, I've always, uh, my first uh, job uh, offer and um, interview was for a black hair salon. Like, I'd rather work on black hair when I got out of beauty school than uh, Caucasian hair, but that didn't work out. Um, it, they weren't, nobody was ready yet for it. It was too early. And then... Um, just the goth scene of the 80s you know it's so weird to think that i was 20 in the 80s you know like i graduated in 1983 so that was 18 yeah yeah so like when you were writing in your journal i was having babies like in 95 or whatever when you were feeling bad about yourself i would have been like come on girl don't feel bad let me show you something this is great you were this person this person some of the most beautiful iconic shapes this is the ideal shape for me that's I have to tell myself every day that I am a goddess, that I am the best wife to walk on this earth, that I am the best at everything I do, because that keeps me from going into a deep, deep, deep depression and not getting out of bed. At some point, you have to trigger your mind to believe that pep talk, though. 
because yeah. I've gone through my whole life trying to give that pep talk and still have had such imposter syndrome with things like my comedy, you know, even stepping out to do this here. I'm like, oh, should we? have these great numbers and it's like are we that good i mean is this really fun to listen yes to? we are and yeah yeah literally yeah, we are i mean you know we're like please give us some negative feedback and like the worst we get is you know sometimes i smack too much or whatever <laughs> so you took us through college mm-hmm. take us through adulthood um I'm not going to age you, but I know that you just had a very important birthday, and you're one of us now. Um, <laughs> how has aging affected your sexuality? How has aging affected my sexuality? <laughs> um, su- surprisingly, I haven't. I have given a lot of thought about my age in regards to other aspects of my life. I've thought about it in terms of my career. I've thought about it in terms of my relationships. I have not really thought about it in terms of my sex life. I do think that um, my my sex life and sex drive have only gotten stronger as I have aged. Um, but I guess... You're in your peak right now. Like, yeah. The, this is the time. That's what they say. Yeah. This is well, fantastic. I should be having lots and lots of sex then. Even just with yourself. Yeah, well, yeah. I do. You know, that's the, I mean, that's also a thing you can do as well, you know. Um, I, I have read so much about how the um, human body develops over time. Um, I, I have read that, you know, the clitoris continues to grow throughout your lifetime. It will never stop growing. And... I mean, I assume that's part of the explanation for why my sexual response has gotten better over time, um, because it not, has not necessarily been that my partner's quality of performance has necessarily increased. I've, you know, some people have um, really known how to to pleasure me very well. Some people have not. Some, you know, like, so I don't think that that has anything to do with it. And I haven't necessarily become all that more comfortable with with my body in regards to sex over time. So that's one of the only explanations I can come up with is that um, physically and anatomically, my body has continued to grow. Um, and then and then also maybe I care a little bit less about what my partner thinks <laughs> of me. Um, I, am, I am more inclined to say what I want, ask for what I want, um, and pursue my own pleasure over worrying about what the other person things I, I worry about what they want but you know if if the the goal end goal is my my physical pleasure then I need to help equip that in the best ways that I can right yes if you've ever had anybody say anything negative to you while you know if you've been uh like sexual with them for whatever thing that can scar you for life too like yeah. you know you got an example well, I think the top one is, like, if somebody doesn't care for how you smell or whatever. Not saying that you smell bad, but, you know, go for a run or you impromptu or whatever. Or you're not at your best or, you know, that kind of thing. If somebody says something to that effect. Or even the fact that that's an underlying joke or a hum or whatever. You know, like the the blind man, you know walking next to the what the lesbian bar what kind you know some stupid joke what 
are you talking about? Don't you know the I, joke? You know what I I'm don't saying? know like, the joke. There's but... a dumb joke, but it's about a blind guy who thinks that he's, you know, he's either at a fish factory and thinks he's at a lesbian bar, he's okay. at a lesbian bar and thinks he's at a fish factory. I mean, it's stupid. I it's not funny, hate, but you understand. Hate, hate. Yes, the that. old the old ad that they show you with the fish on the tampon okay. string, that kind of thing, that connotation. But if you've heard it, like as a young person or whatever, that can cripple you on whether you want to engage in oral sex or whatever i mean right, that I can run through your mind that. so i don't know it's probably 16 or something i know it was during like headbangers ball days on mtv <laughs> but there was this guy and i always remembered this quote that he said he would tell his friends if it smells like fish you got your wish if it smells like cologne leave it alone and I just thought, what does that mean? Yeah, I don't even know what it. Yeah, I think it makes no sense, right? I think what he was trying to say is, if it's a natural odor, then you got your wish. But if they like douche it and you know, it smells like flowers or something, leave it alone. I think well, he thinks that it's, I think he's saying one was a man in disguise. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like he was cologne. 16. Who knows what he was saying? Oh my god! But that always <laughs> just stuck with me for some reason. I just don't even get it. Like I don't, I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Odor is a is a topic for me. It makes me so angry. All of the fish fish language in the drag community. Um, it's it's just like so patriarchal and misogynistic and and it's all fueled by people that that don't really love vaginas i'm sorry i think vaginas smell wonderful and if someone has been running or sweating i think they smell more wonderful (laughs) yes and so i don't understand that if if your pussy smells like fish go see a gynecologist well yeah. yeah um but i i i don't understand the derogatory connotations around smell and it's infuriating to me I I get it. I got to say, what about men though? Well, correct. They I, do you want to you know suck their dick I when they smell wanna... like ass? But I mean, we don't go around and go ass when they walk by. <laughs> you know, right. I've never seen lesbian ladies. Your dick smells like ass when when a guy walks by. Have I ever seen any of my lesbian friends say ass? You know, <laughs> smells like ass. But I have seen many gay men say fish. When a woman walks by. So, you know, yeah, it's an issue. And it is irritating. But it can also scar you for life. You know, there are people who are like, I don't want you anywhere down there. Because I'm worried. I think that's interesting. And half the time they're smelling their belly button. It's not even your vagina. It's your janky ass belly button that stinks. That you need to take a Q-tip and clean it out. Yeah. Throw some Monistat in there. You might be a little yeasty. You don't know, but it's not normally the pussy. Just saying, you know, I might, somebody might have just learned something today years old. What I have have lacked in body confidence, I have made up for in pussy confidence. (laughs) Um, So I, I agree that people can be so sensitive about their anatomy, 
but you know we're also raised in a culture where we no one talks about it um so i i love vulva art i i love menstruation art i love vagina art um i think it's something that everyone should be sharing with everyone i think it's okay to talk about what your pussy looks like i think mm-hmm. if you know honestly until i had my face in a pussy i didn't know if my pussy looked like everyone else's pussy or if something was wrong with my pussy and i think that women owe it to themselves to look at other pussies because then they will see that they're just fine like everyone's everyone's vulva is beautiful yes Um, but how are you supposed to know if we're raised in a culture where we don't talk about it or it's shameful to look at someone else's anatomy um or you're having sex with men who are telling you that your vagina smells like fish yeah or um, that you're gross somehow or or that vaginas are gross that's what i don't understand yeah um women that date men that think Pussies are gross. Yeah. What, what is that? I'm sorry. You're still wanting to fuck them. Right. You just don't what? want to put your face What's in gross it? About I don't it. understand. Yeah, I don't either. Also, every single human on this Daddy planet does not think they're gross. Has one thing all. in common, <laughs> and that thing is they came out of a vagina. Correct. So well, how do you hate that? Unless they're a C-section. Well, but they were they were in a uterus. They should have been. Yes. They should have. That should have been their exit. <laughs> but how so. how can you hate that from whence you came? People do all the time. It's your origin story. Yeah, I know. People are afraid a lot of people murder of what their they mothers. Understand? So men do not understand vaginas, therefore they are afraid of them, or this they're denying their power because yes. it con- destroys their belief system of them being the most powerful thing in the planet. So what do they do when well, they they're don't not, understand something? Period. They bring it down. Bring Sorry. it down. Bring it down. Well, I mean, yeah, they have to crush big feminine energy because literally. They're, they only rule the world because we've allowed it. Sorry, but it's true. You know, you and I, I don't want to. <laughs> so, we have you know, talked about this before. I don't, I don't want to do that kind of work. However, capability-wise, do I doubt? No. Here's I, my you problem, know, and it's going to be TMI for some. I'm extremely ticklish. <laughs> extremely. I, I just... So... I literally have to be tied down for that to happen. Because if not, I'm kicking you in the face. I'm flailing arms. I'm going all over the place to get you to stop. For oral sex? Yes. What? Because you're so hypersensitive? So hypersensitive. I'm very wiggly. That's what Bill says. You're very wiggly. It takes me a minute to... But um, if I'm restrained... Then you can do it. Yeah, I can do it. I don't have that urge. Because you're not moving as bad. Or you know you can't move. Yeah. But like you, I would much rather suck dick than I would be eaten out. What? I know. I know My I mind know. is blown. <laughs> no, well, like, and and first of all, I have to brag because my daddy is um, very oral, so he really enjoys that. So it it helps, you know. I've gotten much better having been with him over the last four years about. Being able to actually relax and enjoy that. But it's taken him a long time. And he has been very um, adamant about how can I touch you? How can I present, you know, my mouth to your vagina? What can I do? You know, so he's been amazing about taking, taking notes. He's been amazing about asking for instruction, taking instruction, 
not making me feel like I'm being difficult when I can't articulate exactly like why it's okay for you to touch me here but this is so sensitive it's like painful I'm very hypersensitive around my clit and stuff like that which is like you I guess but do you feel like it's it's easier since he is your dominant to be like okay I'm just going I'm going to allow you to do this he's Uh, basically he's like I'm gonna take this and you're gonna let me do it is does that make things easier for you actually it's because he's the first man that I have been with that truly behaves as though he this is something that gets him off that it's not just a chore or something he should do to check that box because boom I want a blowjob so I better you know reciprocate which is sad and I'm an old lady but I was married monogamously for a very long time so I have heard so many women talk about that I have never I have never been with a person in my entire sexual history that did not love eating pussy and if someone told me they did not like eating pussy I would not fuck with them that's the lesson and I am shocked I am shocked by how many people I hear just aren't into it or or would date someone or have sex with someone that isn't or that thinks that's not okay or or isn't aroused by that it's so confusing to me see so so maybe we're defining my my sexuality now as just cunnilingus positive (laughs) yeah well can't you be cunnilingus positive if that's what you want to i mean you know my um i've always loved like she has i've always loved you know giving head or whatever Mm -hmm. that's always been the thing it because it pleases me to please someone else Mm -hmm. so i don't know if that's a submissive in both of us mine is definitely the hypersensitivity matched with um uh being a submissive like oh you're doing too much for me now i think is what happens i don't know if that's part of whatever in the brain Mm -hmm. like maybe i should withhold some type of gratification for myself to be on this level or whatever but it is weird when you um uh you know it i don't know it's been in the past had i been more bent toward women i might enjoy it more because Mm -hmm. i feel like i could have articulated what i liked didn't like and got over the you know desensitized the area more but the previous male partners that I had, I didn't articulate well, but they also weren't great at listening yeah. about what you wanted or didn't want. So when you did articulate well what you wanted or didn't want, and they still didn't do that, you know, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I like this and they like this, so we'll just stay on this road. I think it's some of it's just easier for people. And yeah. then who knows what's in the back of their brain? What if I fart? What if I queef in their mouth? What if I That's pee a, a little bonus. bit? What if I, I know, but they have if, to pay more. If you're not super body positive, I mean, oh my gosh, I am how old and just now in the last couple years can take a shit in a public bathroom. I mean, normally I would have to hold that. I don't care where we are. I'm going to hold it. I mean, seriously, until Bill introduced me to burner culture. Listen, I was a prima donna for a long time, you know, but there's no way I would have pooped in public. I don't care how bad the cramps were. And on that note, <laughs> like I know. 
Um, it's way TMI. I'd like to ask body image. (laughs) I'd like to ask about your some of the challenges that you've had um, identifying as pansexual and what your successes have been as well. Um, So I think challenges wise, of course, a lot of it just has to do with my upbringing um, and and fear of being accepted. I I will also say um, kind of combining this question with what we were just talking about my first four years of sexual activity I had never had an orgasm so I had my first orgasm four years after I became sexually active Um, and I think part of that was also again just being really focused on the other person in the physical Mm -hmm. entanglement rather than my own pleasure or my my own self Um, I think that the first time I had sex with a woman, I felt more comfortable to say what I wanted or to express what I wanted because I felt like they would understand, you know, Mm -hmm. we we have the same anatomy. What I discovered was that just like every vulva can look different, they all function differently as well. So that didn't necessarily create as much of an ease in in, um, learning curve as I thought it would. Um, But but I think that... um, it, it did help me, I guess, become more comfortable in having conversations about my sexual experiences in the moment. Um, an interesting thing, too, is that even though I have been with partners of, of several different, you know, gender identities, um, one pretty consistent thing has been that I, I am definitely attracted to androgyny. So mm. in every partner that, that I have had, even heterosexual male partners, there have been elements of femininity in them and elements of masculinity in my female partners and, you know, elements of, of, of just everything and everyone. Um, and, and I think that, that that might be part of my pansexual experience too. Um, one of my favorite books, The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, um, there's this paragraph that has just haunted me since I was a teenager reading that book for the first time. And it's this this woman that wa- she walks up to a plum tree and there's all these plums hanging in the tree. And she's trying to decide which plum to pick because she knows if she picks this plum, that means she can't have the other plums. And she waits so long trying to pick a plum that all the plums just start rotting off the tree and falling to the ground. And so um, that's maybe not the best analogy to compare my sexuality to. Um, but, but, but I think, you know, to like consider myself strictly heterosexual or strictly homosexual is to deny myself all the other plums on the tree, if that mm-hmm. ma- makes sense yes. at all. Um, and, and so every sexual partner that I have been with, every sexual experience I have had has been different. Um, I would not say that any are necessarily better or worse than others. That's not completely true. Some have been worse than others. But, you know, like um, in, in every sexual experience I have had, there has been something different about it that made it special. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I hate to deny myself the possibility of some new interesting sexual experience that I didn't know existed um, and the pleasure of that experience by um, choosing this specific plum and no longer having those other plums available to me as options. Oh, yeah. Taking sexuality out of it, and this is a question just for me since I have lived with men all of my life. How is it to live with a woman or a woman that identifies as female? Um, 
is it different? It's, it is different. Um, but I also have dated all of these feminine men. So um, <laughs> what I will say is the first woman I was in a relationship with was very confusing to me. Um, because uh, our relationship was very different than relationships I had had in the past, not just physically, but also, you know, the relationship itself. And um, it took me a really long time to leave that relationship because I was stuck there having not dated a woman before or been with a woman before. I was stuck there not knowing is this me and this person butting heads because we are not good for each other? Or is this just what it's like for two women to be in a relationship together? Mm -hmm. Is this just what it's like for two women to share space? And um, it it took me um, a while to realize that, no, that just that person was not, we were not for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I have really, really enjoyed sharing my living space and my life with other women. Um, I think that it has recontextualized a lot of my past experiences it has made me look different differently at my other relationships with women too i have always thought women were badass i have always you know loved strong women um and it makes me realize potentially some of those strong women that i looked up to when i was younger i maybe was actually a attracted to them or maybe did want something more from them, but just didn't understand that yet. Um, But, you know, I have also enjoyed living with male partners too. I think it is different. I think there's more room to talk about your emotions, not necessarily because women are born better suited for that, but because our society has raised boys to think that it's not okay for them to talk about their emotions. Um, I, I think that there's a lot more understanding with a female partner of my own experience um, because they also menstruate or because they also have been treated as sexualized objects in the past. Um, And in some cases, because they have also been hurt by male partners in the past, you know, there's, there's a larger collection of shared experiences, I think there to leverage. Um, So it is different, but I don't know if it's, it's better. It probably, again, in true pe- pansexual form, it depends on the person. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I don't think, um, I think you can have shitty relationships in the LGBTQ yep. community. There are shitty have... people everywhere. Yes, every, every, everywhere. I am equally attracted to <laughs> shitty men yeah. as I am to and shitty women, women and, yes. and <laughs> shitty people that identify otherwise. Yes, because that's the fix-it gene in us. That's yeah. whatever chromosome... Makes us want to fix things. Do you feel like when you're in a relationship, you have to fix the Um, other person? Do you love a little bit of brokenness? Tell the truth. I am. (laughs) I am a recovering codependent. I have only recently learned um, because I did not really understand what codependency really was. Um, I don't think I, I am a fixer. But I do think I see potential that has not yet been realized in people. And um, I do sit there waiting for it to come out That's longer than I probably should. The deadliest trap. I don't, I don't know how to help them find it, but I see it and it's hard for me to give up on them because I know it's there. Do you know how many women have made the mistake of falling in love with the potential of someone and especially hetero females with a man 
that you can see the potential in someone, but they may never rise to that. And that's what they fall in love with, their idea of what this person could be and mm-hmm. not who that person is. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's a lot. And sometimes it takes years to realize that this is never going to manifest in this person. This is things a person could do, but has never taken a step to do. I'm a success in that, though, just in my current relationship now, because I when I saw him, I did see all the potential. I think the key is. Are they accepting to whatever advice or whatever you give them so that they can see their potential? Yes. Do they, you were able to unlock the key. So he had, he had the drive inside of him. Mm -hmm. He just didn't know how. Like you said, Mm -hmm. here is a map to do these things. If you will do this in these steps, you will achieve success. And he said, you know what? You're right. That's how I can get there. Yeah, I I fell in love with him before and fell in love with his potential. But now I am so much more in love because I see him actually working on that. Yes. And look. Speak of the devil. Yeah, speak of the devil, which won't be answered. They will appear. (laughs) I think more so than me being attracted to people I want to fix, I think people are attracted to me because on paper, it looks like I have my shit together. <laughs> when I can see that. When yeah. in reality, I have my shit together in two or three aspects of my life, but in you know the core essence of my authentic being, I'm a fucking mess. And so um, sometimes by the time people figure that out, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> they're, they're trapped with my magnificent vagina. <laughs> Um, so, so I think that does your magnificent <laughs> vagina mask any other kind of chaos you have going on in your life? Well, I think I think I'm really good at keeping my chaos contained within myself, which is so unfortunate, and I'm trying to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I think that um, it can be a nice distraction, but I, but I also think that that any of the dissonance I feel in myself, I have tried so hard to keep to myself so that people don't judge me for it. Um, that, that, you know, if people do see it, they're, they're probably not even seeing like the whole depth of it. They're seeing just a little right. twinge here, here, there when I get too stressed to keep my mask up. You were talking about your inner demon yeah, and keeping it and keeping it all inside and, I really hope that uh, you'll let it out yeah. so so that you can de-demonize it because it's probably not even as, like you're crazy, is probably not even as crazy as what you would think. Yeah, that's what I'm finding. On the Richter scale. That's what I'm finding so far. Like, I've, I've unleashed a good, a good bit of it here in the last two months. Or here in the time that we've been quarantined for pandemic, mm-hmm. I've been letting those demons fly out of every orifice I have. <laughs> and some of the ones I was most terrified of have just kind of been... They ended up being benign. Yeah. And it's like, non-issues. why did I not even yeah. get this rid of this? And I've been, you know, kind of like wanting to slap myself for holding on to something for 30 years that was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's normal. 
Yeah, oh, it there's, is. Yeah, okay. there's. Well, I'll so, move on then. <laughs> like, there's so much that you're probably so more put together than what you think. Yeah. you are. That uh, you know, there's no way that you could do the things that you do and have done and do them well to be completely total psycho. Yeah, you're too consistent. You are too on your game at your actual job, you know. You are too on your game and on it, you know, with the burlesque shows that you put on. You you know, you do a lot. And I get it. Could you be filling up everything with things? Yes. So it, it seems like to me that you are in control of a lot of the aspects of your life. Yeah, I have been i have held myself in tight control i am trying to just lose that do you feel like you when you're in a relationship that you have to have control of that i think i have been subconsciously controlling of my relationships without realizing that i was doing it so not in a way where i have to consciously feel like i'm controlling the relationship but in ways that are trying to avert risk does that make sense yes yeah total sense so i'm i'm also like an air sign so i'm (laughs) completely totally operating in my brain all day every day and um, in my line of work professionally um, you know i'm managing change and so i am constantly on the lookout for proactive addressing of potential future issues which works so well at work (laughs) and works so well when you're producing a show and works so hard against you when you're in a relationship. Yes. Yes. I was about to say, well, yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy that that's coming out. So, you know, (laughs) people can understand because it's in creative people and people who are behind creative people, you know, that it makes, it makes a difference and it's something that you need to look at like you know what's your inbox look like right yeah now? what does your um, inbox look we, like? we ask everybody so everyone um like who's hitting you up any dick pics any vagina you know pics? what any booby pics let's just put this out into the world right now that i have never received one single dick pic in my entire life oh my god i'm gonna send How? you one why i'm gonna send tell you me one. why help never? me understand why not one single one ever would you be every woman i know receives I on dick a strap pics, on and sent you a but i have never received one so what is it about my personality or persona that makes people think that they should not They're send afraid me i mean would i guess it's a good thing <laughs> yeah i don't want i don't want <laughs> well, to receive dick pics but i'm also kind of like hey why doesn't anyone i don't sh- hardly ever get them dick? either and i think that it's because they respect me as a person no <laughs> 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 i haven't gotten a dick pic in a I long just think time that you wouldn't be interested <laughs> Like, I think they think you're not interested. Well, I'm not. But, but. Have, you gotten any, have you gotten any boob pics no. or vagina pics? No, no sexual one, anything no in your inbox? naked pictures. You know why? You ever. give off the good girl vibe. Because you bang people that you have feelings for. So it makes you like a good girl. But I'm banging people that I have feelings for that are total messes. <laughs> and I am attracted to bad, bad people. Nobody cares. Not, well, yeah, they're better in bed. Not like that's bad just, people, like, like bad statistics. humans. But, you know. 
do women send vagina pics to each other? Just no, on the, but do just you ever send one so. to a dude? Would I send one to a dude? Yeah, like all right, uh, unsolicited. If no. I were a lesbian, I would send vag pics I've, out I've all the time to my friends, my partners. Yeah, unsolicited. Yeah, why would you not? I mean, if spe- yeah, I would. I but might do it now. Met- You've given me an idea. Maybe I won't. <laughs> show the patriarchy my if you just met somebody and talked to them though would you be sending personal pics like that no i don't do that that's not my bent but somebody that's an exhibitionist may do that you know there's a lot for a while there when i first started doing comedy out in the you know bars here because we're college town you got a lot of dick pics. I would get dick pics from young kids who are like, ooh, she'll cougar it up, you know? And then I'm kind of like, mm, you know, if you're... <sighs> I got one rule, boys, you know? If you're... If you conceivably could have exited my vajay, you're not going back in it. <laughs> That's just, you know, like, I don't have a mom-son thing, so not that much of a cougar. So, But they would send, you know, pics, and that would be exciting, I guess. I don't know, you know, exciting for me to go, hey, look at this. How how do is there an age limit on when men stop sending pictures of their penis? Like, is there a point where they grow out of that? What I think, what I think has happened, yeah, is that they become, you know, they listen, they hear, you know, people on news or comics or whatever kind of shame them. You know, we talk about how ridiculous it is that they're sending dick pics or whatever, you know, unsolicited. We've made those statuses on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere for a long time. I think they're able to learn. <laughs> you know, I think that I think that men can become self-aware, you know, and so I think that at a time, also it probably doesn't shine as bright, you know, and they don't want to waste the Viagra on a dick pic, you know. So if they don't catch it first thing in the morning, you know, it's not as opportune. They're not hard every time the wind blows anymore, so. I just can't imagine as a woman just merely, hi, how are you? Let's get to know each other and everything. And Lots then all of, of a sudden, do. boom, I'm going to send you a pussy if pic. Well, you know why? Because women have been taught that pussies are disgusting. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I think if you're an exhibitionist, but however, probably not a pussy pic right away, but definitely a boob pic. But I have had guys tell me... My pussy's a lot prettier than my boobs. ...that have told me, don't, you know, I really am not into pussy pics. Well, oh, okay. All right, I won't send that to you anymore. They, you know, fine. Now you get no pics. And I'm going to sound really grannyish here when <laughs> I say, what happened to just the mystery? I, well, I would like to just see it in full form when I've, when we're first intimate and I first meet you. Well, that's because we were raised before, you know, having a camera in the palm of your hand and also having one that you can, you know, definitely stage how everything looks or whatever. And, you know, I mean, what is it they say? Men buy cars as an extension of their wing. Why wouldn't they show it off? That's the one thing that they're the most proud of. Hmm. You know? All right. So... Surely someone made like a daguerreotype of their penis at some point in history. Like there has to be some collection somewhere of like silver plate penis pictures made in the old Wild West. Oh, definitely. 
Yeah, no. She never got. I don't get penis, penis pictures. Um, my inbox is actually clear right now. I only have <laughs> one message in it, which is something that prior to the pandemic would never have happened because I didn't have time to look at them. I actually honestly may have conditioned people not to message me because I had such a problem responding to any messages <laughs> for such a long time. Um, so, I mean, like people update me on their drug use. <laughs> um, every once in a while, someone, people do send me a lot of um, vagina art uh, because now I have also set the precedent on social media that I love vulvas and periods. And, and so pe- people are always like, have you seen this? Um, but, but really, yeah, people don't, people don't reach out to me very often. What's the future bring? I have, and n- I have no idea. As you're evolving no in your sexuality. Idea. Um, you know, I think, I think in my mind that, I need to take a period of introspection and decide what I'm looking for and what I want. Um, but then I also have this voice that says, you should just go fuck everyone and figure it out that way. <laughs> yes. So I don't know what we the right armies. answer is. Well, take some time and, and discover asexuality for a while. Like, you know, maybe be abstinent set for self-love for a little bit and yeah we haven't talked about and, our theory and uh wh- yeah that. which which is the older you get the more asexual, the more asexual you, become. you become now not you you're in your peak i have spent a lot of time talking about um monarchy and the onset of your period and menstruation and collecting period products and reading all these ridiculous like coming of age puberty books and um, one thing that i realized very recently was that there is no literature for women on what to expect around perimenopause and menopause and um all of the cultural references make this seem like a just truly horrific experience that that you should be terrified of and potentially that's why they don't talk about it but do you think that asexual theory mm-hmm. could be based on those hormone changes it yes. could be for me it's been like you know the the um the mountain climbing game on prices right yes okay so you're going up la di do di do la di do di that's my sexual you know, my sexuality, my sexual drive. And it seems like since I've hit uh, 48, 49, it just went right off that cliff and went boom. And I have to work harder at becoming sexually aroused. To me, I feel like that is the hormones. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to go through this gracefully without any kind of hormone therapy or hormone replacement. I'm tr- just trying to glide right into menopause. I've I already gone through it. So yes. I can tell you that absolutely 100% hormones have a lot to do with it. Do you take anything now? The changes in your body. No, I take like a vitamin regiment, mm-hmm. but I don't do um, any progesterone or estrogen. When I was going through... Uh, the menopause I did do um, some creams and I had one femme femme care I'll have to find it because it's excellent but now I find because I like a lot of holistic stuff that there are things that you can do that you know kind of help jumpstart that like maca root is a good 
um, supplement that will help get your libido going a little bit more. So there are things that you can take um, to help you, but some of it is the mindset. Like it becomes less important. As you were saying to you, Siren, that nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. So we don't. Mm -hmm. During your research, have you found? Uh, what have you found in your I have, research? I have not found much that is, it, I mean, I guess they anticipate, they being the internet or gynecologist <laughs> or whoever is putting these uh, internet documents together, they anticipate that everyone that's reading this is probably already of a certain age or um, an adult that doesn't need to be entertained. So it's definitely not, um, it's definitely not as interesting to research as initial onset puberty is mm -hmm. what I think I would like to do. And I've talked to a couple of my friends about this is write a children's book about menopause um, or <laughs> I mean, for an adult audience, but yes. in the style of a yeah. young adult or children's book that kind of, you know, illustrate. Do you get annoyed with people who say that bisexuality and pansexuality are the same thing? I, um, I do not. Um, but that's because I guess I have a more scientific, outlook of the definition of bisexuality. I think a lot of people associate bisexuality with uh, the gender binary mm -hmm. in that it is male and female. And I, I view it as bisexual meaning alike and different. So you are attracted to people yeah. of your same gender identity and you are attracted to people of differing gender right. identities. So I think it's um, pansexuality falls on this bisexuality spectrum. And I think most of the people that are, are, most passionately fueled about that disagreement are ones that are associating that term with with the gender binary, but um, but That's I a heated debate. It is. It really is. Um, oh my gosh. Pan, pansexual sexuality mm -hmm. to me is easier um, because you know it just kind of strips gender out of the conversation completely. Um, but I, I feel like you know bisexuality doesn't necessarily have to include gender either. Um, I have heard some really interesting. <laughs> interesting um, descriptions of pansexuality still related to the gender binary. I've had people tell me that, well, if you're bisexual, you like men and women, but if you are pansexual, you like men and women and the other gender, the mystery other gender, whatever that third yeah. mystery other gender is. And I'm like, that's not how any of this works. <laughs> um, so, you know, I would not be offended if someone called me bisexual. I think they, they are closely enough related but i know that that's not how everyone feels <laughs> wow do you think that having to have a label new and exciting special label is that because rather than revel in your uniqueness you need to feel special not you i'm saying you as a collective um i think <clears throat> i honestly feel like it's pretty shitty to define someone's sexuality by the person they're fucking um Mm -hmm. As a femme presenting pansexual, um, I have a, a lot of issues with sometimes people judging me and what my identity is based on the person I'm standing next to. So if I am standing next to a female partner, I become a lesbian. If I'm standing uh, next to a male partner, I become a straight person. But there is no room for me to be what I truly am, which is pansexual. Um, that same kind of gender presentation or, or presentation of feminine energy in, in my persona, in the way I dress, in the way I'm shaped, also 
kind of makes me feel a little unwelcome in homosexual communities because people don't look at me and think that I'm queer. People look at me and think that I'm straight. So sometimes, um, you know, that that gender presentation um, can also, I don't know, piss me off. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I, that has to annoy you for somebody just to assume what your tastes are by... That's like deciding these three meals are all you can eat for the rest of your life. You said you like chicken and you like beef and you like pork. Well, you can never eat seafood because you like chicken, beef and pork, you know, or you have to eat meat when you don't want to eat meat or whatever. It's crazy. It it almost to me (laughs) reinforces this like patriarchal view that um, I am not a person, but I am my relationship to another person. So, you know, women are often not labeled as, as siren. I could be, um, you know, if I had kids, somebody's mom, I am my mother's daughter. I am my father's daughter. I am my brother's sister, um, rather than I am siren. Mm -hmm. So I think that that kind of for pansexual, bisexual people, sometimes you become, this chick's partner, this guy's girlfriend, and that's no fun. Do you have any advice for young pansexuals just coming up into this world? My advice for a young pansexual, or for anyone (laughs) of any identity, um, would be to trust yourself and fuck what other people think. And don't let someone else's perception of you or expectations for you keep you from exploring what you truly feel in your heart and soul. Well said. Perfect. Yes. If people have questions for you, where can they reach you? Reach you. She's not going to read her email. <laughs> yeah. So let's I not will, even do I that. I will read them. Um, but if there's not a penis picture <laughs> attached to it, no, please don't send me pictures of your penis. Um, I am Siren Santina on Facebook and Instagram and pretty much every other social media platform. And I'm also Siren Santina at gmail.com. And you can reach us at gabangirltime at gmail.com you can reach me at gabangaletime on instagram uh we're gabangirltime on facebook and Come on, keep going Braddy can be found at Braddy's bites Braddy von beaverhausen on facebook and instagram bruce tonsils on fetlife Oh, I'm gagging Gail time on FetLife, by the way. Hey, I want you to know, I just changed my status and made you one of my brats. Am I a brat? Yes. <laughs> nice. I, I changed my name. I still haven't filled anything out on that. Yeah, we I need know. to do that. We're going to do it today. It's, okay. It's a goal. Nice. So we'll have a Patreon and I'll have a FetLife account. If you want to reach us on Twitter, we are at Gabbing Time. I'm also Bruce Tonsils on Twitter. I'm Bruce Tonsils on TikTok. I really like TikTok. Come and come and Gavin friend G me. Time. Oh, I am Gavin Gale time on TikTok too. I have three friends on <laughs> TikTok. What are you guys on Parlor? Oh my gosh. Oh, I noticed no, that today. No, but I've gotten several invites. Me which too. I don't know what that. I was told in somebody's inbox. I know this is nothing. It just made me laugh. Like, oh no, she's a. Li- they started a job on me about something, and then the guy was like, "Oh no, she's she's good people. She's a libertarian, but she's good people." <laughs> and I'm thinking, dude, you know what? I, and what I said is, yeah, and not a single dem has thanked me this election <laughs> through being quarantined throughout this pandemic. Been on all the social medias. I feel more alone than ever. 
I have one friend that I speak to on a continuous basis, and that is Gail. Oh, you poor thing. I know. I'm so it's, sorry. Yeah, it's true. I really am sorry. I'm either it talking is... to my children, my husband, or you. Very, very lonely. You need to reach out to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> I need friends, too. I'm talking to my dogs, so. Well, this agreed. is a safe space, and we won't always record you. Honestly, you though, over. I would love to get rid of all my social medias and just text me. Now that we're back to talk to text, why not just talk on the phone? I'm all for it. Somebody call me. I'll talk to you on the phone. She has a whole video out about it. <laughs> it's true. I know. <laughs> Callbacks. I love you. I love you. I am so grateful for everyone that's listening today. Yes. Super grateful. And I'm very grateful for you to come on and play with us today. Very. Oh, this was fun. And this is one of, I've been waiting for the end of this show. <laughs> And I hope that you'll come back and talk about anything you anything want to. You want. It's gab and girl time. It doesn't always have to be sex related. Though we like says it that the way. old crony. Though <laughs> <laughs> so the more sex you put in there, the better for us it is. Yeah, we like. I want to live vicariously. <laughs> but we thank you so much for listening today. Yes. Please send us some questions. Yeah, we would yeah. love to answer your questions. We're a couple old and ladies. And we love your feedback. And you just heard how to get us. Now, for my favorite part, Siren, will you join us in our outro? I'm so excited. Does it sound like the intro? It It does. Exactly like the intro. Except it's a little more mellow. We thank you so much for listening to Gabin Girl Time. Gabin Girl 